One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. Now, if you're on social media or you don't live under a rock, you may have come across the idea of manifesting or the practice that suggests that if you purely think positive things happening, then you can just think them into existence. Conversely, it also suggests that by thinking negatively or thinking about bad things happening, you can make those thoughts a reality. Uh, For a number of reasons, this is problematic when it comes to people who struggle with anxiety. It can induce anxiety in those who maybe didn't struggle with it, or for those who are struggling, it can make things a little bit worse, Uh, particularly when it comes to things like intrusive thoughts. For this episode, to have this discussion, I'm joined by David Robert Grimes, author of The Irrational Ape. He's a scientist and a physicist by training, and he shares a lot of my views. He has a video that went viral online where he unpacks um, really the bullshit around manifesting. Look, I hope this episode is informative and it opens you up to asking some questions about this trend that is everywhere. The last thing I want to do is cause any offence, but I know that it might be a bit of a controversial topic to bring up, um, but one that's a conversation worth having nonetheless. I hope you find it helpful and informative, and thank you so much for listening. David Robert Grimes, thank you for being a guest and owning it. I'm so thrilled that you were able to make this time for me. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So this podcast has always been about anxiety and my experience of anxiety and me talking to different experts from around the world and TED talking types and people who help me and my listeners better understand anxiety. I'm not the expert. I'm not the scientist at all. I'm just the person who's trying to distill the information down to, not down to, but across to people who are maybe feeling vulnerable and need to you know, unpack these things. The way we've come to have this conversation, it was a bit random just for context for people. So I went on a bit of a rant on Instagram about how I just don't get or I don't have much time for this whole concept of manifestation that I'm just seeing everywhere at the moment. And it's like, oh, I just manifested this Range Rover or I manifested, you know, my dream job. And I'm like, it's problematic for many ways. But where I want to bring it into being relevant here is how it can be problematic for someone who's like, how it can maybe cause anxiety. Or if you're an anxious person, it could be quite dodgy because you'll start to think, well, if I think these 
bad thoughts, then these bad things are going to happen to me. Or if I'm not thinking the good things, then it's my fault. And then you're going to spiral even further. And I think it's very, can be a slippery slope. Yeah. No, yeah. Definitely. yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm nodding in agreement here. So as a fellow sufferer of anxiety, I, I totally would, would agree with that. But we actually have nice data on this as well. So manifesting, just for, for any of your listeners who aren't familiar with it, it, it sounds bizarre if you've never come across it. And it goes back to the, at the earliest recording versions of it were from the 1890s. So it's an old idea. And it is basically the idea that if you ask the universe for things or you you visualize and there's different buzzwords because it comes back every few decades with different terms the law of attraction is one you hear as well you know you'll attract this positive energy or you'll attract something to you and then people get something and they go well obviously i manifested that so that range rover you mentioned or you know, that new job i obviously visualized and got it that's all well and good it's not true by the way i should point out that's not how the universe works uh, at and all. I should point out that you're a physicist. <laughs> by training, yeah, I've definitely gone more into the, the cancer and, and, and medical space. But yeah, by training, I'm a physicist. That's The universe doesn't care what you think. No offense. It doesn't not care about you. It just doesn't have any feelings. Um, How dare you say that? I know. It's really grim. I'm, I'm, I'm one of these, these horrible realists. But the thing is, when things aren't going well, the converse of this thinking is that maybe it's your fault because you didn't think positively enough. Maybe if you didn't get something, it's because you aren't um, deserving of it because you didn't. Then it, it, it becomes that you blame yourself for. And where I see this, and I guess where it came on my radar years ago, was with cancer patients. And there's a very common theme when you talk, I work with a lot of uh, patient groups, that people are inadvertently blamed for getting their cancer. There's people say, well, if you just have positive thoughts, for example, people with terminal end stage cancer being told that they'll beat it if they think positively. Well, well, no, they won't. It's end stage terminal cancer. And there's not, that's not to disparage positive thinking uh, or, or seeing the good in things, but it's to be realistic about what can and can't be achieved. But what I think the really twisted converse of this kind of manifestation is is if you see people in terrible situations and in war zones or in child poverty or all the things that you can imagine, the terrible situations people are in by circumstance, effectively that really, if you believe in manifestation, what you're kind of saying is, well, those starving children in sub-Saharan Africa kind of deserved it because they didn't visualize enough to get their Range Rover. And that should be enough to put the nail in the coffin on its own. I mean, I, when I started talking about it on social media, a lot of people were coming back saying like, oh, I think it's just about positive thinking. And so I was like, well, I there's absolutely so much power in positive thinking. And it's really important to, you know, I do believe that if you just constantly think that nothing's going to work out, you won't take action to, you know, if you just think, right, I'm my anxiety is with me for the rest of my life. There's nothing I can do about it. You won't explore the things that might help. That's one area where I see elements of it being, you know, helpful. But I think where I take issue with manifestation is really when you go to the nuts and bolts of it as this law of attraction that states that our thoughts determine what we attract in life. And that's, I think, God, there's so many things that I, that I find problematic with it. And one of them that I think brings it into the anxiety space is that we're seeing so much, we're seeing so much manifestation and it's all about personal wants and gains and things, you know, obviously it's super dodgy when it comes to things like health issues and people think like what you've just described, but when it comes to like products and, and adding things like I dreamed this house or whatever, I think it's creating this constant idea in people's minds who consume this content that we're all lacking in something and we should be manifesting more that what we have is not enough. And that's creating this anxiety. I think where I'm like, Oh, I, 
I didn't, I have to be striving for more stuff, you know? I can't just be happy with what I have right now. I think that, I mean, that's advertising as well. Always finding, creating a problem that you didn't realize exists so that a product can fill it. I think manifestation is like in a similar way, maybe making people think, oh, hang on. I like that person is manifesting X, Y, and Z and all these things. I'm just sitting here happy with my basic lot. Am I not manifesting enough? Am Am I not achieving enough? I think social media itself is aspirational. But what I would say is it's also very artificial. I mean, one of the things that I've there's there's a thing uh, to bring it back to that space a little bit. There was a famous case in the Second World War where they were trying to work out where they should reinforce planes that were being shot down in dogfights or, you know, being damaged. So they had all these statisticians working on them. When the planes came back, they recorded where the damage was. And it was sometimes in the wings or like on different bits, but it was never in the fuselage and it was never towards the cockpit and engines. So initially the engineers were like, well, we should just reinforce the wings. And it wasn't until another statistician, a guy called Abraham Vald said, guys, the reason you don't have data on like things being shot in the fuselage or the cockpit or engines is because those planes don't come back. You don't have them in your data set. This is a thing called survivorship bias. And you see it all the time. When you see that that, that wealthy CEO who says, oh, the reason I got what I did is because I did this or whatever, you're already subselecting a bunch Mm -hmm. of very lucky people. On social media, the people that manifested a house, good chance they have rich parents or a lot of money. So that's kind of useful, that whole manifesting of a house thing. And we only see that. We don't see the millions upon millions of people that don't have that privilege, that don't have that option. So we're already looking through a very skewed mirror. And yeah, of course it increases that because we think, well, we should be doing more, not realizing there's all these background factors in there. And I think that realizing that this is entirely illusory and aspirational and mainly fake would probably do us a lot of good collectively. So you created a reel that went viral, I guess, around um, your, not, not even your thoughts, but the facts really, because you're coming from a scientific perspective. Um, how, how did that go down? Uh, like a lead balloon. No, really? <laughs> it went, because no it, it, it mixed. So-, it, it so, so people, and, and I think you've kind of alluded to it already, but people do sometimes feel that you're disparaging the spiritual or, or whatever else. Now, I'm not particularly spiritual, so I probably, I mean, I, I don't really have a huge amount of sympathy with that argument, but I do respect people's right to be. Yeah. But I'll say there's, there's, there's a difference between being positive and saying, yeah, look, I'm going to try to have a good attitude no matter what the circumstance. And I guess because I've, I've dealt with a lot of people who literally are facing life-threatening situations. I've seen that. Um, not people being unrealistic, people saying, look, I'm going to see, I'm going to do the best I can with whatever I have. And I think that's really good. But you get into this foggy area where you suddenly think that, you know, you have to be positive all the time or you have to, the universe itself is going to respond to your positivity. Mm-hmm. No, positivity is about your own attitude, about keeping yourself afloat. It's not it's not influencing the universe in this way. And when people make that blurred distinction, that's when you get manifestation and people believing in the law of attraction. And in my case, you get patients being absolutely uh, shamed in some cases for being sick. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. So manifestation sounds a lot like then toxic positivity, which I've talked about before. It's kind of the manifestation of toxic positivity is manifestation. Um, manifestation. But it, for me, where that becomes an issue with anxiety is if I'm constantly being forced to think positive, shoving it down my throat, when actually I, f- I feel quite poorly or something, I'm creating this resistance to what is I'm and that's creating more more anxiety because I'm not accepting of maybe what is 
it's such a gray area and there's so many different ways you could approach it. But for me, I've, I've gotten so fed up with toxic positivity of like, you know, when people just say, oh, just, you know, just think it will work out. I'm like, well, it didn't. Or, you know, where, I, where it comes really an issue for me is when I think about like friends of mine who've gone through fertility struggles and then they find someone who did have a baby and said, oh, I manifest this baby as if they're not trying everything in their power and wanting it and, uh, you know, putting it out to the universe with their every fiber of their being to have a baby and it not happening. So people, it, it turns a, a case of stochasticity or, or randomness, which the universe is largely random, into a moral failing. So yeah. if you didn't have that baby, it's whether these people mean it that way or not, the reading of that is that it's an implicit moral failure on your behalf. You didn't manifest or you didn't vibrate with the universe. Or you didn't put the vibes out there. So it adds, it compounds people's sense of failing, people's sense of sorrow. And it does it for entirely pointless reasons. Like it, it doesn't achieve anything apart from make people feel bad about themselves. There's times when actually being positive is the wrong thing to do. Sometimes you need to sit with feelings and go, oh, this all sucks. And obviously, and that's okay. That's the spectrum of human emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important. Just like sometimes being positive is like, is the, the opposite of being compassionate with yourself because you're denying how you are or how you feel. Um, and sitting with it, though, it seems like it, it's not negative. It's just authenticity, which to me is when you can live more in line with your values and a lot of anxiety can kind of dissolve. Yeah. Now, I did get a message from someone saying, oh, I thought it was all bullshit until I realized how well backed up it was by science. And I was like, um, is it? So I wanted to ask you that question. Um, well, <laughs> so no, it is not. In fact, this kind of, not, I won't say the opposite because the evidence isn't strong enough, but we do, for example, know that patients that have very positive attitudes do not fare any better than patients that are pessimists. Like, okay. I, 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 like, I mean, and sometimes because pessimists are more realists, They'll, they yeah. might, they might go, well, look, I'm going to take my meds, even though I think I'm going to die, you know, where, but sometimes positive people go, well, I'm going to beat this. So I'm going to do, and you're, well, maybe you're not. Um, sorry, we all die eventually. That is literally the end stage <laughs> of life. No one has ever lived. Hey, this forever. is an anxiety podcast. Yeah. I don't think it's but, people but here's the thing. But anxiety sometimes is, man- for me anyway, when I, when I struggle with it, I find that it manifests an unrealistic expectation. Um, and often, for example, if you're under a huge pressure to be positive all the time and you're not, you know, in your human being and you're, you're not always feeling positive all the time, that's that kind of performance anxiety that, that, that creeps up. You know, you feel that if you're not smiling and telling people that everything is great, that you're a fraud or you're fake. I mean, I, that's the dialogue that sometimes goes through my head at times. And I, I, I but when it comes to backing up by science, no, in fact, I have a paper from 1995, which is one of the first ones I saw complaining about toxic positivity um, and this is mainly in the cancer space obviously but it goes through a lot of things like we do we have people have looked at this saying look these attitudes really change your outcomes and the answer is not really no whatever works for you works for you if you're a naturally positive person great but if you're not or you're very anxious you don't like being positive no one should be putting you under pressure to be so because it's going to make zero difference to your outcome and it may put you under more pressure to behave a way that isn't congruent to who you are and not authentic to who you are. And that is a recipe for inducing anxiety. So best avoided. Why do you think it's come so mainstream again? Do you think it's like after the pandemic, people just feeling a little bit like they need a life raft to cling on to, that they need to believe that there is something that they can put on a vision board and then think into existence? Is it, is it the pandemic's fault? I, I'm going to be a little bit, possibly, um, I'm going to sound like an old man shaking my stick at the air here. And I, I kind of am, 
but I think that we are incredibly materialistic. Mm-hmm. Almost all the stuff that's been sent to me on manifestation, and there are manifestation coaches, which I think is hilarious, but um, they're basically about getting stuff. It's not about, hey, how can I be a better person? Or how can I, you know, fix a problem in the world? Or how can I uh, contribute to society? It's all about me, me, me. What? Well, how can I get this? Mm-hmm. And I think that fundamentally, we live in a very consumeristic society, very materialistic thing. And social media really is kind of horrific at amplifying that. It's about showing, it's keeping up with the Joneses, but on crack. It's showing how much you have and how much you can get. And I, I think that maybe we need to, and that is usually um, anxiety inducing because not, not all of us have huge amounts of disposable income. Not all of us have the free time to go and do some of the things, or a lot of us have circumstances that are complicated. Mm, this just, the, of, just even the effort of keeping up with trends and stuff, it would it would wear you out, even if you did have the money for it. It's just this constant. It would be a treadmill of exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. For no and for no gain. I think sometimes the, the, the thing that I, I certainly found useful for me was stepping back and kind of going, look, am I doing this for me or am I doing this because I feel there's a pressure on me to do this? And and I think once you start realizing that, you kind of go, you take social media with a big, big grain of salt. I mean, I I deliberately limit my hours on it because it it is for me anyway, it was so bad for my mental health to spend prolonged periods on it. And partially because everything that people show you. Everything that people choose to curate is a very artificial version of their actual life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I see, you see that quite a bit. If sometimes you know someone who's you know, like, you're quite high profile yourself, but you'll often see it. And I never won't name names on it like that, but you'll see people that have very enviable lives on social media. But if you know them or know anything about them, you know that that's not realistic at all. Mm-hmm. It's all curation. And some people are very good at doing that, but I don't think we should feel any pressure to aspire to that. And I think manifestation is an outreach of that. It's like, hey, if you want to get this thing that other people have, you can visualize it this way. And and I always point out, look, what if I really, not that I would ever wish this on you, Caroline, but what if I decided that my ultimate desire was to kill you? Do I just <laughs> manifest that? Do I just sit there? And obviously your desire is not to be dead. So how would these manifestations ever you know, I mean, if you think about it for more than a few seconds, it really is philosophically very unsatisfying, but it's very materialistic. And of the maybe pseudoscience that exists around it, um, what what is that saying? Like, is I don't really understand very much about quantum physics. Is that what it's rooted in? Oh, I love this. So no one understands much about quantum physics, but that doesn't mean it's like, you know, basically a canvas or a Rorschach test you can put anything on. And people do. So there are cool concepts in atomic physics, like the idea, or quantum physics, the idea that particles created together and separated at huge distances still have some kind of intrinsic connection. This is quantum entanglement and things like that. But the astute observer will probably note that most people are many, many billions upon billions of times bigger than a subatomic particle and weren't created at the same time, right? So these concepts do not map to what's called the macroscopic world or the the world that you and I can see. They do not map. And there's very good reasons they don't. Otherwise, there's a thing called quantum information theory, and ent- we won't get into that. But the point is, scientifically, that's that's there's a there's a physicist called Marie Gell-Mann who used to hate this stuff so much because it originally was in the 70s. It was very popular as like, oh, people new age uh, concepts being married at quantum physics. He used to call it quantum flapdoodle. <laughs> and uh, Deepak Chopra would be the famous example, but it, it came back in The Secret in 2005, I think, which was the same nonsense repackaged. Every 20 years, 
someone repackages the nonsense from 20 years previously and a younger generation go, oh, wow, because it sounds vaguely spiritual. And then they tie it up with what we call cargo cult science. It's the veneer of science. It's words that sound complicated and because they are complicated and they refer to very deep concepts, which are incredible to study, but they're not the same thing. Quantum, you know, quantum physicists aren't sitting there rubbing their hands together going, great, now I'll manifest the Nobel Prize. That's not happening because it's nonsense. And anyone who's trying to use these kind of ter- these terms, it's kind of like when Star Trek tries to talk about beams and phasers. It's, it's tech babble, mm-hmm. but it's enough to fool a lot of people. And I think that's kind of exploitative as well. I feel like most people who I would come across in the street or in a pub, if I sat down and had a, had a conversation, they would be of similar views, this kind of thing that you don't just visualize a sports car. And that's not why it happened because you, you did mood board or vision board. But th- why then would, were books like The Secret so massively global sellers? Like what, are, what is it? Is it just, do we really want to believe that there's a quick fix, that there's an easy option? I think you've put the, that's nail, nail on the head right there. I, I think we do. But also I think they give, I, I would say, a misleading reassurance to people that the universe is listening to you. And I, look, and this goes back to your, your philosophical standpoint to some extent. A lot of people like to think that the universe is listening to them and they can influence it, right? Um, I wouldn't believe that. I don't re- think there is any reason. Um, people like to think there is deep meaning behind everything that humans do. And there probably isn't a lot of it's random and a lot of it's, you know, good things don't always happen to good people and bad people often do very well. You know, the unit, we, we, we have these intrinsic notions. Um, my ex is a very good friend of mine. She's a belief psychologist and she just got her PhD there. And she looked at beliefs in karma and across whether you're religious or atheist or whatever else, beliefs in karma are very, very common, that people think there's a, a universal justice. And I probably and, do, too, in my day-to-day talk, even though when I pull oh, yeah, that, yeah. I'm like, hold and on. Regard, whether you're religious or, or it seems yeah. very common. However, she she would point out that it's, you know, they they, they did the way they, they did their studies. They looked at it and said, look, you know, you can have totally random events and people will interpret them as karma or not, except when you actually take the data and look at it, Things are just largely random. You know, good people often have bad things happen to them. And visualization is never going to change that. You know, like you know. So we're we're kind of retrospectively applying meaning to something after it's happened. Humans are meaning machines. Like, you know, when you you, you meet your partner, you know, oh, it was always meant to be. Well, no, it wasn't. Statistically, there was hundreds or maybe millions of people you would have been compatible with, but you yeah. like this one. So you're gonna give a greater meaning to it, you know, and that's that's human, that's entirely human. But this manifestation stuff is a toxic exploitation of that human need for control and desire and and stability. I think maybe you're right about post-pandemic, there's a need for some kind of stability. Maybe I'm being very cynical saying it's all materialistic, but there's certainly an element of that. And it's definitely, um, yeah, there's definitely multiple factors behind it, for sure. You mentioned there maybe a need for control, but when I see people talking about it, to me, it sounds like they're kind of handing over control to the universe and almost diminishing their own when it comes to something like their own agency. Yeah. Yeah. When it's hard to get this job and get this income, and now I'm pulling in like seven figures. This is not me personally, this is me hy- hypothesizing. That you're 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 taking away your own power by saying, Oh, this the universe just gave this to me. No, it didn't. You went to college, you you hustled, you worked really hard, you studied, whatever, whatever, you know, you yeah. also had the circumstantial um, background that allowed for it. You had 
bit of luck involved. You had the smarts, you had the support from your family, you had the money to help while you studied not to have to pay rent or all of these kind of different factors. I think sometimes people don't want to reference those things because it just sounds like privilege. But at the same time, you're also diminishing the hard work that you do do. Yes. And you're diminishing the, you know, there's no, if, if you came from privileged circumstances and like, look, I had parents who could afford to send me no, to put a roof yeah. over my head. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's not a bad thing. That doesn't reflect badly on you. But like where I am at the moment in life and where most people are in life came from a mixture of luck, circumstance, their own hard work, and also the 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 way that the stage was set before they ever arrived on it, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't diminish someone's achievements, it doesn't take away from them. But I think people, yeah, you're right. They 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 would prefer to forego their agency. Someone said to me a while ago, they feel it's like, you know, this is just basically rebranded prayer, right? And I'm like, that's not a bad way of describing mm-hmm. it. Except if you sat and if you do believe in a God and you prayed to them with a wish list of stuff you wanted, I'm sure they'd kind of reply negatively going, for God's sakes, what about the thing about humility and selflessness? Yeah. Uh, this is like the materialistic version of prayer. But it's just such an old idea. Like, I mean, 1891 right. was the first reference I found to it. And it was an old idea by then. That was the first wow. uh, law of attraction. And and that was, again, because in the 1800s, there was a huge spiritualist craze. Now, I wonder if it's related to the fact that horoscopes have got really popular again. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about horoscopes, and I write about them a bit in the book because they're interesting. And I enjoy them for fun. I really enjoy Absolutely. them. And I, I say, you- that's why that happened. <laughs> Sometimes my husband, I remember one time I was so annoyed at him. He read out the horoscope and I was like, that is so me. And he's like, well, that's not your horoscope. That's a... Aquarius or something. Nail on the heads. This is called the Fourier statement. Um, and one of the things you know is about horoscopes in general. When do they ever say something negative? Like, you know what? You have serious personality problems or maybe you should stop being mean to people. They're always couched in, in positive language. And a, a psychologist back in the 1940s, uh, Bert Rand Fourier, he took people in to his class and he spent a few months with them and he wrote them all personalized assessments, psychological assessments. And he had 13 points in them and he gave each one of them and said, look, just look at it individually and let me know privately how accurate you would rate it on a scale of five. And the average rating in the class gave it was 4.5 out of five. And then he eventually admitted, actually, no, what I did was I went to the horoscopes. I randomly shuffled them around and I gave every one of you in the classroom the same assessment and you all rated. And that's because these things are generic they're reassuring. We had, there was a great experiment done where they actually gave students real psychological profiles of themselves and the bunkum one, and they preferred the bunkum one because a real psychological profile will say things to you like, yeah, you know what? Maybe you need to work a little bit on your people skills or something. Whereabouts a horoscope, you're saying one in 12 people is all going to have the exact same reading as well, but they're reassuring. And the the popularity of astrology is 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 stunning me. I, a, a teacher uh, told me they had a student telling them that they didn't do their homework because something about Mer- Mercury being in retrograde and actually got a parent to sign that as the excuse. I'm like, <laughs> oh dear. I mean, either that, either that kid is a genius at manipulation or their parents are genuinely a little bit spacey. Um, but I love know- blaming things on Mercury being retrograde because it's just, I don't like, I obviously, I'm as pragmatic as you are about it but I love just being like why is my toddler being so difficult and why did I trip up and why why is oh hang on then someone will tell me Mercury's retrograde and I just even though I know it's waffle I'm like it when you can just put a little bow on something as a human I think that is it takes away it being your fault although I do sometimes when occasionally when students bring it up to me it does come a conversation like can you define what retrograde is 
And then they go, because it is an old astronomical term. And then people get, and they go, see, exactly. We don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, no. We, no, we, no. we use these terms, but we don't really know what they mean. It is an old term. And then I, I sometimes, if I'm feeling very tortuous, I make them define it. But um, like we have these buzzwords and we love them because they give us an excuse. But again, a manifestation is a, is a bizarre outshoot of that. It's just that it can be very damaging. I mean, you mentioned it is essentially toxic positivity, but it's toxic positivity on steroids. It's mm-hmm. just, it's now deciding you can manipulate the universe by visualizing. And then by extension, anyone who doesn't get what they want just wasn't good enough at manipulating the universe. I mean, it a lot of messages mean- I got from people were saying, but like, you know, what's the harm? Like let people believe what they want to believe if it helps them. And that's like fair. And God, I never want, like some of my closest friends are all into it and we'd have very, you know, healthy debates about it where I'm like, you've lost me. I just, I can't, I can't get on board. And it's probably because I probably would have been a little bit bit more lured into that world were it not for my husband, who's an engineer, who he will just tear apart anything when I, if I go into like (laughs) that space and he just keeps me very grounded. And he's like scientific to the point that it's just annoying sometimes, but is there a harm? Because everyone's saying, you know, well, it, it helped me. It worked for me. There absolutely is a harm. Well, there's three different types of harms that I Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You can see for it. Firstly, it's, it's appeal to anecdotal evidence. And that's on, on an individual level is not harmful, but it becomes harmful when it's systematic. And again, I know this seems like a very extreme example, but I have come across cancer patients being blamed by family members for getting their cancer for not being positive enough or for thinking negatively. For example, stress does not cause cancer. That is a goddamn urban legend. But yet the amount of patients come to me crying, I got this breast cancer because I was, you know, I was stressed or I was too, you know, I didn't think positively enough. And the guilt they carry with that it's, it's entirely unfair. So that's one way it does it. It also 
it really demeans a deep understanding of how things work, right? If, you know, we're having this chat today and both of us come from relatively privileged backgrounds and had the benefit of education, by saying, oh, we manifested and got what we wanted that way, we are denying the reality of the world that other people don't have the privileges that we have. As someone said to me, why is it always rich white women that do videos and manifest manifestation? Uh, or, or, or probably rich white guys as well, because we're bloody privileged so we can afford but we, that means we're, we're blinded to the systematic inequalities and the systematic problems around us that we could be doing something productive to help fix. Instead of we're thinking, no, I got that because the universe said it. Bugger off. No, you got it because of a mixture of circumstance and look, right? And that's how all of us get stuff. I mean, that's stripped to bra. That doesn't mean that you're not a, a good person or it doesn't mean that, you know, you're not a unique individual. It just means that is how the world works. By believing in manifestation, we blind ourselves to that. And we also blind ourselves to injustices because we can, it's called just world theory. We can rationalize that the universe is just to us. The world is just. So if someone is not getting what they deserve, maybe it's because, you know, there's something we don't, maybe they have some bad karma or some bad juju or something going on there. And this is why, I mean, in a really cynical sense, just world theory is why people say, um, don't believe people who are victims of crimes sometimes, particularly like sexual assault. They're like, well, was she wearing a short skirt? Because they're trying to rationalize to themselves a reason why it couldn't happen to them, but would happen yeah. to someone else. Mm -hmm. And again, manifestation to me is just just world theory, uh, but amped up even more. It blinds us to what's really going on. And it sometimes makes us blame people for stuff that they had no bearing on and give and ourselves blame ourselves for stuff we don't yeah. yeah blaming ourselves or giving ourselves credit for stuff that we don't deserve credit for yeah so um, to me it just blurs understanding of the universe who wants to live in a universe where they're not only being unfair to people they're not understanding the wondrous world around them including the role of random chance random stuff is wonderful it's good yeah is that is that your three potential harms yeah Ooh. i could probably go on but let's let's <laughs> let me let me wrap it there um, the law of attraction, people say, well, it's the law of attraction. And they, they take that as um, a given. It, the term, the law of attraction, law, who who made that law? What is the well, law? Well, it's definitely not a law because there is there is a scientific, uh, you know, I'm probably echoing your husband here, but there is a scientific nomenclature for how you define what a law is. A law is something that is not only theoretically established, that it's been validated. Gravitation, universal gravitation is a law because we've, proved it throughout the universe places we can't mm -hmm. even visit we know what their gravity is going to do um but the law of attraction is not a law it is i suppose a dictum or or a statement that basically you attract now there's different versions of it it's not even consistent enough to be a law um there's different versions of it but essentially it's the idea that if you put out an energy which by the way is also a vague thing that you'll attract back that energy so it's like it's just like the vibrations oh sometimes well the, the vibrations are a pseudo-scientific way of justifying what is already another pseudoscientific idea. It's putting a more scientific spin on a, a dumb idea. Um, and to a scientist that just makes it dumber, but to someone who's not aware that these terms mean nothing in the context they're being given, it sounds impressive. So the vibrational energy, anyone saying that doesn't understand vibrations, energy, or thoughts. But this, this is one of the things, the law of attraction is essentially just manifestation again. It's just, you know, if you, if you put it out there to the universe, you'll be rewarded with it. There's no, scientific, not just scientific evidence for that. There's no a priori reason that makes any goddamn sense. You know, everyone mm -hmm. who's ever died of starvation in the world probably really wanted food. The universe didn't send them a goddamn sandwich. 
right? I mean, this is, it is, but again, it's such a privileged background to be able to say, well, I got this, but I really imagined it. Oh, bugger off. No, you didn't. You were just lucky like the rest of us. Has there been any research done into people who believe or say that they fully manifested X, Y, and Z to trace back the actions and the circumstances that led them to there? Has it? Do we know anything yet about, like, can we pinpoint, well, actually, maybe it was just, like, because people say, well, maybe it's just the positive thinking or the visualization keeps a goal front of mind and keeps you working at it. But then I don't think that's manifestation. I think that's just... It's being pragmatic, yeah, about yeah. dealing with a problem, which is fine. Well, we we don't have evidence per se that, as far as I know, but what we do have evidence for is people who have illnesses, because that traced. You often have people attributing their uh, recur- recovery to uh, an illness to positive thinking or manifestation or things like, or, or variations of that. But when you actually do case studies and histories when people have looked at this, well, you recovered from cancer, but you also got chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgery, months of rehab, I think they may have contributed some way to your recovery and people now have my positive thinking. And again, I go back to the fact that patients with pessimistic attitudes and positive outcomes have the exact same outcomes. Like, I mean, I, I think that itself is evidence entirely against the proposition that manifestation is going to make any lick of difference. As long as you re as long as you follow basic protocols and principles, your outcomes are going to be essentially the same. And I think that's strong enough evidence on its own against the entire precept. Because in life, apart from getting a Range Rover, not dying is like number one priority that most of us go through most days. <laughs> in your book, The Irrational Ape, which is phenomenal and uh, would be compelling reading for anyone listening, if you're you know, interested in expanding your thinking, um, maybe not if you're really into manifestation, <laughs> you kind of warn against the perils of um, the pseudoscience when it gets into the hands of someone with great influence so that woman in australia will you tell me that story l gibson yeah yeah so and, and um, just why we should like the impact of it and why we should be mindful and how to be more mindful so yeah it's, it's a chapter in the book called bad influencers because honestly i had to include social media and and and, and those kind of figures in, in our understanding because it's so important these days so bell gibson was a huge celebrity at the time she was an australian woman who claims that she had these not just one terminal cancer but she had she had somehow very unfortunately got multiple cancers at once. Not Now, there's a lot of red flags. This will come in later on, but they weren't seen at the time by a lot of people. She had multiple cancers and she cured them with natural remedies and positive thinking and these alternative therapies. And she rejected chemotherapy and radiation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, she also blamed the HPV vaccine on causing her cancer, which it does not, spoiler alert. There was a huge amount of red flags that more diligent journalists should have picked up, even from her initial story, but they didn't. And she became, she was big on social media and then she became this huge figure. And when Apple launched their, their iWatch, her book, The Whole Pantry about whole food, clean eating came with it, right? Um, but slowly and sh- but surely, medical and scientific experts started asking questions. And... As they started questioning her story, more and more of it chipped away until there was nothing left. She never had cancer. She had entirely fabricated her illness. She had raised money for charities. She'd she'd raised several, I think over a million or two Australian dollars, uh, which she had embezzled. Mm. Yeah. And, and, but even then, like she'd been given these saintly write-ups in, in magazines like Cosmopolitan and L and all these, I'm not sure it's L-E or L. I'm going to say Thank you. Uh, I haven't seen it written down. Um, and, and again, and, um, one of the things 
I, I, I was years ago involved in this in the periphery. And I remember saying to one of the journalists, like, why did you, why did you write? Why didn't you just ask these questions? Like, well, you can't question someone's lived experience. I'm like, but you can question their, can we talk to your physician? Because this seems insane. Or can, you know, you could ask those questions. That's diligent journalism, but that's of course not how social media works. She is a great example of this because everything she did, all she attributed her successes to, well, firstly, she didn't have one. It was all artificial. It was all, it was all made up. So she manifested her, the message that went around was that she manifested her cure. Yeah. And she also, was never a cure because she never yeah. was sick. She also never a cure, but also she also, um, and this is very common. And this is where maybe I came across manifestation. I spent a lot of time debunking medical misinformation about cancer, about vaccines, um, about different diseases, you name it. I spent a lot of my time doing it. And one of the most common things is the alt medicine community are very, very keen on manifestation because a lot of their, their, so-called medicines um, are based on this idea that like, you know, they have magical vital energies or, or powers. So they're very into the belief that this works. So they would amplify these stories an awful lot of the time. The convert, another bad effect of that is that I have seen patients told to give up their, oh yeah, give up your chemotherapy. That's a poison. You should take this homeopathic remedy. And then the goddamn patient dies. And we know that patients that go for these and fall down these rabbit holes have worse outcomes than patients that don't. And yet, I mean, I know it is a slightly different topic, but I, where I came across manifestation, the same people who were selling, you know, nonsense cures, I say cures with the inverted commas here, but nonsense, like, you know, um, snake oil yeah. for different diseases were the same people saying, oh, you visualize the energy of the universe. If your doctor says to you, hey, have you tried visualizing the energy of the universe? The next time they're treating you for something, get a different doctor, mm-hmm. because that is a big red flag of something not being right. One of the lowest points for me when my anxiety was really bad and I was really suffering day to day. Um, like I was living from panic attack to panic attack and retreated from life completely. I had read Eckhart Tolle's book, which I know everyone loves most. It's a massive, massive mega seller about the power of now. And, and there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for just being mindful and being in the moment, but I remember taking that. I could just wake up and decide to just not be anxious anymore and basically manifest where I'm really concerned for people who are listening and are as vulnerable as I was then that they can think I need to manifest this anxiety completely away from me. When anxiety is such a physiological thing, it can happen for so many different reasons. It doesn't just go away because you become aware of it and decide, Oh, I'm going to let this go now. It's, it's, you know, you're, there's so much to it, which I've explored in so many episodes. This You can't, you have to like unravel and, and, slowly regulate your body back to being not on you know in fight or flight and I remember thinking well this has to I had this you know if it worked for him like he was suffering to the point that he he was 30 something years suffering and then he just one day woke up and it was gone because he just realized that all there was was now and he didn't have there was no such thing as anxiety or whatever and then the reaction to me was why is this not happening for me why yeah. is this not working why, for me? Why, why am I so bad? Um, I obviously suck. So and my, I, I'm broken and my anxiety, that's my belief then was that, oh, I'm obviously broken. Nothing will work for me. I'm fucked for the rest of my life. And my anxiety ended up growing such severe arms and legs because of these things that yeah. I gravitated towards because I was so desperate. Yeah. And that's I, where I'm, I'm concerned. No, I, and I, I see that. And look, I've never actually discussed this publicly before, but when I was 23, I had 
what was eventually diagnosed as severe GAD, general anxiety disorder. But it manifests for me as I manifested, wrong word. But it, it came across as I, I felt I was dying all the time. That was what I realized now. I was having persistent panic attacks. For me, I also had pericarditis at the time. So I assumed I was dying. And of course, because I knew a bit of, I was doing my PhD in, in the medical field. I was like, I'm dying. I'm going to have a demon. And I kept thinking I'm a failure. And every time it took me a year to even accept that I had anxiety, that I wasn't having, you know, a pulmonary edema waiting to happen because it's so physiological that you see it that way. And when oh. I did eventually accept it was anxiety, it didn't cure overnight. It was oh. still, it, you never lose it. It's always there with you. But what you do realize is that when people say, oh, you can just think yourself out of it. And then you go, well, I, I can't. Am I a failure? Yeah. And then you go, am I? And then you see people that seem to be doing fine. You're like, why am I a mess? And everyone else is fine, you know? And that adds an extra pressure. So you go, well, I mean, people make recommendations meaning well. And oftentimes you're like, that's just, that it's great that that one person thinks that worked well for them, but it's not generalizable. It's not, no. you can't give that recommendation to other people. And I think once, once for, for me, anyway, realizing that anxiety is, it's it's it, it's trying to do you good, but it's a maladapted process. Yes. Being a bit anxious about stuff is sometimes a good idea. It's like, oh, I better be wary. I've had bad experiences. with this. It's when your body just goes, you know what? I'm going to go to town on this. I'm going to just make all your hormone levels do crazy stuff. And so that you pay you know, attention. Exactly. But it's, it's a maladapted response. So it has a good origin, but a bad outcome, if that makes sense. I always realize that, like, you know, that that does help. That helped for me when I was like, okay, my body is trying to help me here. It's just overdoing it. Yeah, that's, you know? that's definitely such a huge, I mean, this yeah. is what made me want to write my book in the first place and share all of this was because I felt there was so much bullshit out there preying on people's vulnerability. And I guess this, this is probably why it's bothering me that it's becoming so, um, everywhere now another thing i don't know if you can speak to this but um i got i did get a good few messages from people who are saying manifestation has been so damaging for me because i really bought into it and i suffer with intrusive thoughts and i think everyone is um susceptible to them i certainly have felt my fair share of them since becoming a mother and they're really jarring and in the first the first few weeks after having had my little boys nearly two your mind just i guess it's some sort of protective mechanism, which I, well, I, I was lucky enough to be able to understand that, that my brain was giving me images of things to make sure that they didn't happen. You know, like I was imagining, well, I could just drop him now. And it was like, make sure that doesn't happen. And how, how almost necessary some of the intrusive thoughts are to help you um, come through that, you know, it's just a huge physical change for you i'm I'm Um, glad you brought that up because actually there's something related to this that we haven't touched on but does factor into that so you mentioned the term mindfulness there right mm -hmm. and mindfulness has some therapeutic background or whatever else but what's really interesting is there was a study just this week that found Mm -hmm. when they tried to do mindfulness uh, classes on teenagers it had no effect on most of them and a negative effect on a lot of them. A friend of mine, uh, Catherine Wilcom, wrote a book called The Buddha Pill. And she's a psychologist who researches mindfulness. They found that actually mindfulness can be terrible for a lot of people. For some people, meditating, mindfulness is great. For a lot of people, particularly people who are anxious or people with intrusive thoughts, it is the worst thing they could do. Because you don't want to be worst thing they could do. in your thoughts. Yeah, I guess... I've struggled with this as well. Whereas when my anxiety was really acute, I didn't want to sit there and be mindful about how I was feeling. I needed a diversion. But then at other times in my life, I've had to kind of get comfortable with sitting with the uncomfortable feelings. But I think for someone who's suffering with intrusive thoughts in particular, it could probably 
go completely the wrong way for them. Absolutely. And the Buddha Pill is a really good book at that because she, 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 her and her, um, her co-author, Miguel Ferris, they looked at a lot of cases where actually, you know, this is this is really li- and, and they point, look, this has limited application for certain people. For example, I had a guy when I was going through the worst of my anxiety who tried to help me. And, you know, now just focus on your breathing. But my anxiety manifested to me as an inability to breathe. The worst thing I could do yeah. was fixate on the one thing that I was already fixating on. Um, and I know they meant well, but yeah. they again people have different things. So mindfulness is, is an interesting one because people will say, but what's your, what's your, your viewers or your subscribers or followers, Jesus, I sent so old listeners, oh, listeners, <laughs> they were, what they were saying is, um, is absolutely true. It's a really common occurrence that actually this can be really, really negative for a lot of people. So, and, and that's like, I look at it like medication, for example, right. Um, <laughs> Insulin is great if you're diabetic, but if you're shooting up insulin, you don't need it. It's probably not going to do you a very good job. Mm. And the problem with a lot of these platitudes that we hear is that they're too generic. They're like, oh yeah, you should do this. Right. Well, no, actually you should work out what the root problem is. And then you should take a therapy or an exercise that helps you with your specific problem. You know, you you can't just treat everything as it's all the exact same. And yet a lot of this kind of well-meaning advice probably does exactly that it worked for me yeah but it could really not work for me it could actually damage me and this is why you need to understand the problem before you just throw a solution at it i can really empathize and imagine the fear that if someone is really believing and the manifestation and the the law of attraction and that you know you're if you're thinking negatively which the secret explicitly said people in war torn zones are thinking themselves into being in those situations which is absolutely abhorrent um, but I can imagine having the fears like, you know, people who with, with anxiety can often think like I'm going to die or my family's going to die. And then they're like, oh, my God, if I can't stop thinking those thoughts, it's going to happen because that's the law of attraction. Yeah, and exactly. And it so... gets really intrusive and it's a cycle. So for what can we tell those people? Because I'm I'm worried for those people. Well, tell them and this. I find this oddly reassuring. Some people don't, but I think the universe is entirely agnostic as towards your existence, right? It's cool with you being there, but it doesn't really care, right? So you're not, there's no, I would say this about the universe or about like, you know, looking at these kind of panic cycles that you can get into. What I'd say is this, look, there's a lot of randomness about how events play out and you can take actions that make an outcome more likely. For example, if you wanted to be a doctor, you could go to medical school. That makes you becoming a doctor more likely than if you just manifest being a doctor, right? Is it there? I'm, I'm using that as an example. Um, not saying that doctors are all aspirational careers, but uh, you know, let's say you want to do that. Um, you can't guarantee an outcome in anything in life. And sometimes people that deserve, like people that are awful people, sometimes do very, very well. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. And yet I would love to shoot him into space. In one of the rockets, <laughs> right? Um, I would pay good money for that. But the point is, there's, 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 no, that's like there's no justice. There's things that make an outcome more likely. And all you can do is take actions towards making the outcome you actually want more likely. That does not mean sitting there visualizing. It's just kind of going, right, what's a practical thing? Well, if I want to get that job, I should probably get the qualification I need to get that job. And I'll work hard at it. Give yourself some goddamn credit you know, and give the circumstances you're in some credit. If you're having a hard time, if you come from, you know, it's okay to sit with that and go, yeah, you know what? I, I've had a really tough time getting here and that's okay too. You know, I mean, there's no, but the you're not to blame if the universe doesn't answer because the universe isn't listening. That's okay. And I, I find that oddly reassuring to go, look, there's no, 
you know, cosmic balance sheet being kept here. Just do take actions that bring you towards what you'd like to do, but don't assume that, you know, if you do, you know, the universe is going to punish you or reward you, circumstances are just going to play out and you have a little bit of ability to shape them. And there's other stuff that you won't be able to shape and accept the stuff you can't shape and work on the stuff you can. And for me, something that's been so important with anxiety is, is not to attach so much power and weight to my thoughts, but to see them as passing by and I don't have to latch onto them. So if someone does have intrusive thoughts that come in and, you know, like I would often think if my husband it was home late from work. I'm like, oh, he's obviously dead in ditch. And I'm like, I just catch that thought. And I'm like, oh God. And if I was to be really believing that if I think this so much, I'm going to bring some sort of cosmic um, punishment onto myself. I want, I, can you say as a scientist, there is no way that a thought that you have is going to mean it's going to happen. Absolutely. And then the psychologists have looked at this already. Intrusive thoughts are really common and negative thoughts are really common. You go, but you go through millions of thoughts a day. You probably don't even realize how many millions of thoughts you have a day because your neurons, your synaptic connections are always firing stuff and creating scenarios. What you said there, it's about attaching meaning to them. You don't have to. You can just sit without it. Like, and one of the things, and this might have worked for you, and it certainly worked for me when I was going through the worst of it um, with the anxiety. Sometimes like, it's okay to just take a thought, sit with it and go, yeah, no, that's just, you know, you don't have to react to every thought. You can sit with them and go, mm-hmm, okay, don't like that idea. Don't want my husband to be dead in a ditch. So going to realize that's very unlikely and go, thank you for warning me that that is a possible outcome, but there's far more likely ones. So I'm going to, put that in the bottom of the pile for likelihoods, you know? And when people say you are what you think, you reject that. You're No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I put that in the book really firmly about in a different context. We should be promiscuous with our ideas and change them all the time. We should be thinking differently all the time. We should be going, oh, that idea I had last year, that, that view, that was wrong. In fact, I've got a better one that's, that, that, that's better informed by the world around me and the evidence around me. We should constantly be refining. We are not our ideas. They do not define us. They're just things we entertain for a while. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that people do think, well, it's a thing called cognitive identity, protective cognition, which is a weird mouthful of a sentence. But it's the idea that we are ideas. So like if I, if I say your, your local sports team are not very good, you get personally offended because you identify with that sport, you know, no, mm-hmm. and we do that with our ideas and we shouldn't. Ideas are just ideas okay. and they don't define us and they will be different tomorrow. The ideas you have today will not be the same as the same as when you have a year's time. And if you want to test this, write down an idea you have today, look at your journal in a year and you'll be like, I don't think that anymore. We just don't realize that we do that because we think we're consistent beings. We are not. And that's mm-hmm. good. We're learning all the time. So let's keep learning. David, thank you so much for um, sharing your thoughts and not just your thoughts, but a lot of really interesting uh, science and research and, and studies and things. Um, it's been really, I, I am fully on board with everything you're saying. I hope that people listening won't feel offended. I, I want, my goal is more so to reassure people who are anxious and thinking, oh my God, I'm not manifesting the right things or I'm going to manifest bad things that then they're okay, that that's not the case. Um, that's where my concern is, but obviously, you know, thinking positively is if that's what helps you and helps you to take positive action, to get towards the things that you want, that's great. That's not something that we're saying is, is bad. Um, any final, any parting words before we wrap? 
I, I you know, I, I think you've kind of said it fairly eloquently there and I can't top that, but I would just say to people, you know, it's okay. And this goes back to the theme we had already that your ideas will change and your beliefs will change. And, th- and that's all right. The idea that things are set in stone or that the universe is forcing things upon you is probably not true. And that is actually quite liberating. It might seem yeah. scary at first, but it's actually really liberating to know that you are the master of your own destiny with the caveat that there's a lot of random things that will happen to you in life as well, but you still steer the ship mm-hmm. and it's your ship to steer. So, Thank you so much. And the book is widely available. Um, if they want to follow you online, give us your Instagram handle there. Oh yeah, I'm David underscore Robert underscore Grimes. And I think I'm on Twitter at, at DRG1985. And the website is DavidRobertGrimes.com. And the book is The Irrational Ape. Yes, it is. I forgot Love the name. <laughs> yeah, I just forgot about the book that I wrote. No big deal. No. Thank you. Take care. Thank you very much. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.